The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome. You have entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simron. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Empower yourself, broaden your mind, open your heart, and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simron. Welcome. We are well towards the end of 2016, which is a time of completions, and we are opening to a 10-year, which is 2017, which means many new beginnings. It is a time now where we can go inside. Mercury Retrograde just started today. And so this is a perfect time to contemplate and go back and look at and review the, the experiences of this year, as well as reviewing anything that might need to be healed or come up for some sort of completion. I want to invite you to connect with me on social media at Simran Singh 1111 or at 1111 Magazine on Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, and LinkedIn. Uh, we can stay connected many different ways. In addition, you can go to my own website, IamSimran.com, for some free gifts and all of the things that I do, including art and mentoring and all of my books. And definitely connect to 1111Mag.com, and there you can access the free 1111 Magazine new and archived, and allow yourself to be inspired by many individuals that are out there doing their work in the world, in addition to a newly launching audio version of 1111 Magazine that I'm really excited about. Today is a powerful conversation that needs to be had, oftentimes is something that is not discussed, but yet it's very prevalent in the world today. There are many individuals that deal with issues of depression or are dealing with issues of someone that has bipolar disorder or they themselves are experiencing the swings of bipolar disorder in addition to the increase in mental illness. When we look at these issues, oftentimes the solution is medication. But there are ways, many holistic ways, where one can combat this and really find themselves. What is the purpose of these different disorders? How do they come about? And in allowing ourselves to dive into a deeper question of who it is that they are actually affecting, can we discover the real that is beneath that? My guest today is Dr. Jeffrey Fidel, and he refused to live his life medicated for bipolar 1 disorder. In near-complete solitude, he endured nearly a full year of intense mental anguish. Utilizing mainly the ancient teachings of Lao Tzu's Tao Te Ching, he learned how to connect to a voice originating from his heart. And he learned that the voice within teaches that our true identity is beyond thought and that we and the universe are one. We are discussing his book today, and it is a really wonderful book. It is a masterful and minimalist book. I, one MD's inward journey to liberate himself from mental suffering. 
and the help it offers for those diagnosed bipolar, mentally ill, or depressed. Without further ado, I'd like to welcome Jeffrey to 1111 Talk Radio. It's so nice to have you here, Jeffrey. Thank you for having me, Simran. This is a really honest, intimate, and awakened book. Um, I really found it beautiful to read, very easy to move through, and yet a book that someone could take a page and probably contemplate on it for days at a time and discover much about themselves. Talk about what your experience was prior to awakening to this knowledge so that we can set kind of a, a foundation or a backdrop as to, to the course of what led to this. Sure. Um, so I um, lived a pretty, what would be called an American uh, lifestyle. Uh, so I, I grew up uh, in Great Neck, New York, and I, in my childhood I, I went through uh, schooling, um, elementary school and then high school, very structured, uh, just, and then off to college. And then I went off to medical school, and then I did a residency because I was taught pretty much from the start that um, it was, you know, the right thing to have a profession, to get a job, that to be successful, that I was going to, you know, get gain satisfaction in this way. It was kind of the way I was brought up. Um, so I became a medical doctor, uh, and... Uh, you know, I, I, I practiced for 15 years in, uh, as a diagnostic radiologist. Um, uh, but uh, about the age 20, and I'm 45 right now, uh, about the age 20, when I first went off to college, this is when I started suffering uh, with the mental health, uh, and I was placed on antidepressants um, at age 20. Uh, and then at age 28 my mental health problems accelerated and I, that, I was diagnosed at age 28 with bipolar type 1. And uh, so I lived almost uh, 25 years medicated for mental illness. Uh, and then uh, about a year and a half to two years ago when my marriage fell apart, my dog died, uh, and then I voluntarily left my job as a doctor. I decided to take this huge risk, and I threw my medications away at that point. And, um, and that's so the awakening that you speak of is pretty much when my life uh, from the outside collapsed. It was really the loss of my marriage and my dog and leaving my job that sparked off um, this inward journey that I write about in my book. And you begin the book in the preface by saying there's nothing in this book that I claim is an absolute truth. I'm not favoring any belief system. I'm not recommending any course of action. I'm not approving or condemning any way of living. And so I want people to understand that this was your experience and, and, and you are illustrating as an example of, an, of one way that individuals can cope with these issues. Before we get into the very deep part of this conversation, I want individuals to understand what it takes, though, to get to this place where you're saying, I'm not going to take medication anymore for this. I'm going to deal with this. Is there, 
there's a certain amount of discipline and devotion and focus and a willingness to undergo um, a lot of pain that may come up in the course of that, along with, uh, I know you experienced isolation. So talk a little bit about what someone's really committing to if, if they're willing to really look at their lives. And, and this is regardless of whether a person is trying to deal with an issue such as what you're talking about or whether it's the average everyday person, because to me this book can, can go across the board. It, it really is a book that could be read by anyone to face what they have not wanted to face in their lives. Talk about what that means in terms of um, commitment. Yes, well, the commitment is really um, be, you know, uh, becoming very true to who we are. Um, and, you know, the whole reason I threw my medications away, and I'm not really recommending anyone do this uh, because it was more dangerous than I knew at the time, uh, but when I, when I did, I just personally didn't feel that I was being true to myself. Although I was able to go through life medicated, there was a part of me that knew that there was a dishonesty within me. Um, and, you know, I was living the American dream, so to say, and I was a very well-liked uh, physician. Uh, but inside of myself, I knew something was wrong. And this, and this, is, um, this was the conflict within. And so um, after I had gotten rid of my meds, the journey in was really reconnecting with this inner part of myself um, that um, I knew somehow, because who else would have known? Why would I throw the meds out in the first place? There was conflict within, of course. And so it was reconnecting uh, basically with the true person that I am, and that's really returning to, like, innocence and love again, which was very deep within myself. Um, And then, uh, so that journey in uh, was reconnecting with that original self that I had lost um, over um, my life. Um, And that's that's kind of like what we all have inside of ourselves. Um, In the end, uh, we, 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 we have conflict within ourselves when we are not being true to ourselves, and that's why we're all our greatest teachers. Well, and it's true. We, we do go through our life where we disconnect from the truth of our essence, and we venture a bit off that path only to at some point determine if we want to really go back. The cover of your book was very interesting to me right from first glance because it, it is a balance of the dark and the light. It's the balance of the shadow and the essence. It is the I that we are, which is often the false self, and yet the bigger I that we are that is our essence. And you even reference that in the meaning of the title. You say the title of this book is simply a symbol. It is a single vertical line, and that the line represents many different things depending on the mind of the interpreter and the context in which it is represented. In this book, the vertical line is a symbol representing I, myself, and I, one. What is most important is that I is a symbol. Talk a little bit about the I in relation to identity as well as disidentification. Yes, well, like you said, uh, it is. Uh, it was going to be hard to market the book. It was going to be a blank cover. 
that's the way I wanted it to be. Um, <laughs> but a symbol is just that. Um, it can't recreate essence. So when we talk about I, because many people reference themselves as I, um, all language um, is reductive. It can't uh, recreate essence because essence um, is unnameable. Um, and so if I, I call myself an I, but um, I can't be an I because if, if I gave um, someone a piece of paper and said, here I am, or what have you, that can't recreate the me. Um, so this is the problem with language in and of itself. Um, and I learned this through the Tao, uh, this concept of non-duality, because in the first uh, sentence of the Tao, it states, um, and then we're talking about the Tao De Jing, by the way, for the listeners, uh, written by Latsu. Uh, and it's the first sentence in this book, which is basically a guide to um, connect with the heart, is what it is. Uh, but the very first sentence states, the Tao that can be named is not the eternal Tao. And what that basically is saying is that when we place a name on something, it doesn't mean we know the truth of it. It's just a name of that. And so uh, the non-dual state, it can never be named. And this is, and this is something that I learned about myself, is that um, to know myself outside of thought was another, um, another way of, of, of having to learn myself and the journey inward. Um, so, so the title of the book is, is that vertical line, but um, it, that's it. If no one spoke um, English and they looked at that vertical line, their minds wouldn't interpret it as an I or as a one. Um, it would just be whatever their mind decided it to be. So we live in a world that is one of great duality. At least that's the way we perceive it. And you had an experience that would have created even more of an extreme of that duality. One could say that you could go into very dark places, whether it's depression or bipolar, and then to identify essence would be the highest expression of light. Through the Tao, how did you get to a place of embrace around that um, because so often the mind will come up with the excuses or come up with its own defenses as to why it wants to hold on to its story or its belief systems. Yes. Well, um, you brought up a very good point. Um, the only way I was able to get out of the world of duality, which is basically... The mind creates the duality, um, and, and so the only way I was able to completely release myself from the world of duality at the time uh, was uh, by going into the state of no mind, where there is no more thought in the mind, there's no words whatsoever. These are very, very deep states of meditation, and then, um, then to just have the mind be aware of the pure essence or the pure energy or the pure consciousness that we are uh, with no words to it. And then in that state, we know ourselves to be 
woven into the very fabric of the existence. Um, the mind is no longer trying to create an identity anymore. It just knows that it is of that, and there's no more words. And so now when I walk around, I know um, my mind is creating the duality of self, uh, but I know I'm intrinsically woven into existence itself, just like any other human being. Um, and, and this could all be proven scientifically now, and that's kind of uh, my next um, uh, you know, phase forward, is because um, when we can image ourselves, in fact, we already have the images, if we point our telescopes in space back at Earth, we're woven into the universe, along with every other thing that we've named in the world, um, but you see, the mind is what's naming it. So when we unname, we are just that. So when the mind is naming something, it's creating that attachment. And to really be of essence and non-duality, we would be being within everything as a part of the fabric rather than calling it something. Because the moment we name it, we've created the separation and the duality of this and that, or me and it, yes? That's correct. In the pure state of being, when no mind is involved, then we are just that. Um, it's kind of like when we're asleep, for example, our minds, assuming we're not even in dream, in dream yet, when we're falling asleep, the mind is now settling down and it's no longer, our identity, for example, is kind of gone because when we fade into, the mind quiets enough, uh, we don't know ourselves as our names anymore or as anything. Um, we're just purely, we're still existing. And then we wake up in the morning and the mind comes back on and then we remember, you know, our identity is, is reformed based upon, you know, people wake up in the morning and then they'll be, like myself, I used to be, oh, oh, I'm Jeff Fidel. <laughs> Here I go again in my life. Now that's all the mind turns back on and it's creating the duality of self. Um, so it's kind of like when we go to sleep, we're all in that, that non-dual state for a moment. And that's why people are so peaceful at sleep. Not many people are suffering when they're asleep. Uh, it's when we wake up, the mind can come back on and create um, suffering. And this is, this is mental illness, is when we identify with thought enough that it actually um, affects us. In other words, it's our reaction to our thinking mind that causes mental suffering in the end. Um, and, and this is, you know, so the more we... The more we, the, the unhealthy response to thought is really what's um, causing mental suffering today. And mental suffering is running rampant on this planet. If you are attaching to a story or being affected by deep emotions because of your own belief about something, if you have decided to react or if you have attached to an illusion in the way it feels very, very real, then we all seem to suffer from some sense of insanity. And perhaps the time to identify who we are is in the moment where we disidentify with who we've always been. My guest today is Jeffrey Fidel. He is now sharing ancient secrets, secrets to help 
others discover their answer inside. He says, by being quiet, the con- quieting the constant chattering of our minds, we begin to hear the inner voice that originates from our heart. By surrendering the thought of who we are, we can begin to accept this inner voice as our teacher. The inner voice teaches us that we are one. Dr. Jeffrey Fidel graduated magna cum laude with a Bachelor of Arts de- degree uh, from Brandeis University in Waltham, Massachusetts. He earned a Doctor of Medicine degree from Tulane University in New Orleans, and he is a board-certified MRI fellowship-trained diagnostic radiologist who completed both his residency and fellowship training at the University of Miami in Miami, Florida. You can find out more about his book and his work in addition to his speaking engagements at JeffreyFidelMD.com. That's JeffreyFidelMD.com. We'll be right back after these messages. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444... People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today, 1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly online publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. Engage with experts in topics of consciousness. Become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, expanding the heart, and experiencing greater aliveness. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at IamSimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio. Definitely check out the current issue of 1111 Magazine. This month we feature Sark in a beautiful article that she and the late Jeffrey Waddell uh, put together, and the, de- the issue is dedicated to the celebration of his life. In addition, Belinda Womack talks about the angels, and Rebecca Campbell talks about Sisters Rising. So definitely participate in that issue, and you can step into certain pieces that I share, which are pieces on prayer, forgiveness, intention, and expansion. You can get that for free always at 1111mag.com. My guest today, Dr. Jeffrey Fidel, relates how he spent most of his life identifying with the I that was the I in his mind, the one that said he must achieve to exist, the one that drove him to become a doctor in order to meet other people's expectations, despite a part of him that resisted, the one that said he would be happy if he lived the American dream of exalted professional family man and financial success. This was the I of his ego. Yet he was miserable, and the critical voices in his head kept getting louder, driving him to seek a psychiatrist. And when they reached a crescendo, Jeffrey was diagnosed with bipolar 1 disorder and placed on antipsychotic drugs. 
Feeling numbed by this chemical lobotomy, he continued to fit into society as an individual and practicing physician. Yet nothing in his life was right. His marriage was falling apart, and he still had an inner struggle that he didn't want to practice medicine. And even his beloved dog died. Through many ups and downs and searching, he came to the Tao Te Ching. It spoke to him and awakened his awareness. And there was another voice, a quiet one, that spoke truth to him, a voice that connected him to all that is. He relays this story and a lot of deep wisdom, very simple but powerful wisdom, in his book, I, One MD's Inward Journey to Liberate Himself from Mental Suffering. You can find out more about him at jeffreyfidelmd.com. That's J-E-F-F-R-E-Y-F-I-D-E-L-M-D.com. Welcome back, Jeffrey. I want to go back for just a second and talk about that place of, of being in the mind and identifying with the personality, with the identity, with who we've been built up to be. And, and through a course of your story, you talk about, you know, the expectations and who we're meant to become. And this is the society we live in. We are conditioned right from birth. We are taught to compete. We are taught to attain the goal. And so all of a sudden, it's more about who we can become rather than who we are. What was the moment where you realized, I've got to do this another way? And what made you believe that you could do it another way? Um, well, the moment uh, that I believed that I needed to do it um, this way was uh, pretty much, um, for me, there was no other choice um, you see, what, what you were speaking about before is just that. When, when we're all babies, every single human being in the world, we all start off the same way. Our mind is a blank slate. And then, depending on where we grow up in our environment, we develop um, belief systems of, of who we are. Um, and this, of course... Um, it's very well established, especially for us older people that are 44 years old. We have a lot of thoughts and belief systems that we develop over time, uh, including uh, for me personally, I had a belief system of God. Like I was brought up uh, under the religion of Judaism, for example. So I could tell you when I threw these medications away, um, what had happened was, is uh, all these belief systems that were in my mind, that's who I thought I was, because that's what was taught to me. And so, um, all these visions and all these thoughts I was bombarded with were basically those 44 years of my belief systems. And to 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 quiet the mind enough to... Um, just surrender all that I've ever known before is pretty much um, what I had to do in order to achieve um, this state because my mind uh, was creating so much suffering for myself and I write about it in my book, The States of Mind I Went Through. Uh, I, I, I really thought I was God's messenger for five months. Now, these types of things, right now I know that that's not true, but... Um, 
these are being labeled as spiritual emergencies. These states of mind are so very scary because uh, my perception, actually, my mind created this perception that everything that I was doing wrong, that my mind perceived to have done wrong, that I was going to be put to death by a vengeful God. Now, all these acquired beliefs um, that I was taught came attacking me, these thoughts, these beliefs. Um, So this is why it's so very dangerous to throw medications away because this is the power of the mind. It can, it can literally put you in a, um, a dream state even though you're awake. It's a nightmare um, that I was living. Um, so only when I totally quiet my mind enough to complete stillness, then I can connect with um, this other voice that we all have inside of ourselves. And this is what the Tao taught me about was this voice that comes from our heart. And this is the voice that knows all human beings to be the same and that um, actually the, the self itself um, is a non-self or a no-self um, that we're just woven into, woven into the existence um, itself. Um, and, and this is kind of what, this was my journey inward was the surrender of my thought-based identity and connecting with um, this this other deep um, essential self that resided in my heart. You also go into another aspect which sometimes people will will tend to follow, and you you call it a self obsession, and, and and many people may not realize that that's exactly what it becomes. But you started to use the Yi Ching as a, a way to kind of divinate what you were supposed to do or the next step. Some people use. Uh, different types of, whether it's psychics or other types of divination tools to kind of guide and lead them in their next steps before they do anything. Talk about how that's another phase of that mental suffering and and that that's still an identification or that's still very much the mind controlling. Yes, well, the, um, the I Ching... Um um, it's, it's kind of, it's another guide, um, but w- when I was using that guide, I took it too seriously, and this is where my mind came in again, because everything that I was reading at this time, I was, uh, I was taking too literally, and so any time I felt that I wasn't following exactly what it was supposed to be, my own mind was punishing me for my failure to be living up to a preconceived notion that I somehow needed to be perfect. So all my thoughts, in other words, if, I, if I'm trying to practice non-judgment, you know, not judging another person, and I perceive myself to have judged someone, then I would create other thoughts that I was a complete failure and I deserve not to go on anymore. Um, so the the critical thoughts were tormenting me uh, because here I am trying my best to practice these ancient teachings and to become, you know, this uh, this type of person, so to say. But then I have the critical part um, that's saying, you know what, you're not good enough. Um, and these are all the thor- thoughts uh, that when we identify with them, they can create you know, they can create immense mental suffering. Um, and and um, in the end, I, I must say once again that 
uh, when we suffer, it, it's usually our reaction to our thoughts that's, that's creating this, the suffering. It, it doesn't really need to be any more advanced than that. In other words, it doesn't need to be a biochemical basis or what have you. You know, these are theories that modern science is coming up with. Uh, but it is as simple as our own thoughts uh, can create immense suffering. And the medications are, you know, kind of just um, numbing the mind or adjusting, um, you know, what's going on in the mind. But we're not just mind. We're, we're complete beings. Um, thoughts are only a part of who we are, but they don't, they're not us. In other words, we're beings that think. We're not who we think we are. Rather, we are beings that think. So it's kind of like flipping it around a little bit. So the general person can have issues of the constant mind chatter. It can be the mind that won't turn off when we go to bed or the mind that continuously speaks so we stay busy or we, we get into uh, different types of, of, of things that could be labeled addictions just to keep us from having to hear that negative mind chatter. Was it just the teachings of the Tao and the continuous study of that that helped you to get to this place of no mind, or did you have to undergo any sort of other process or workshop or some type of experiential uh, way of, of also learning how to quiet that mind? Well, when, when uh, basically, when I had to quiet my mind down to this extent, uh, and this is why it's so very dangerous, um, I got to the point where my mind was telling me to kill myself. Now, I didn't know what to do because I didn't want to take my life. And then I stayed in these states of suicidal mind for months. But this is why um, if we see someone take their lives, they take their lives because they react on their thought. They don't want to take their lives. Most people don't. Um, but uh, when the mind can create these states, the external world, so to say, falls away. And this is what happened to me. But I never took action. You know, thanks to the Tao, I was able to find this other. But, but when, when the voices of, of, of wanting to uh, take your life overwhelm, then that becomes everything. Um, and then the only way to stop the voices is, is, I guess, some people overdose or the actual, you know, the being, which is, you know, the, the part that we can see when we look at a human being, because we can't see another human being's thoughts, but then the being reacts to those thoughts in their mind and they take their lives. They, they hear those voices, you, you know, you have to take your life, you have to take it now, because this is what I was living for months, I was in this state. Um, and... Um, but I knew, <laughs> this is why I'm a doctor, um, that if I went back to a doctor and I told him any of this stuff, I would have been institutionalized. I would have been Baker Acted. And in fact, I wanted to Baker Act myself. Uh, I didn't know how many months I could um, sustain living in this uh, state of psychological torture. Uh, but um, I just kept going on and on and on and on. And then there was a way out, and that was just to go further back into myself. Um, that was the way out. But this is the power of the mind. Um, 
And this is how thoughts can create immense suffering for the millions of people that, as we speak right now, that are locked up in institution because they're under the spell of their minds. We all have probably the greatest fear, which is that fear of death. And what we don't realize from a spiritual standpoint is that we each carry an inherent death wish. And until we're willing to literally face that death wish, we can't cross the threshold from the separate I to the I that is all that is. And what you're talking about sounds very much like that. It says if you you stayed on that bridge, on that threshold that allowed you to face that death wish and stand in it until it literally crossed over to the threshold rather than a physical death, but more so the death of the identity. In, in going through that process and, and knowing that this was really all the mind, what was the, was there a certain statement or mantra? I know you spoke about the first words of the Tao and, and how that was very important to you, but did you have a touchstone that helped you kind of stay connected to what really is real? What is the true essence so that you didn't slip back into the stories of the mind or the illusions that we tend to, to make up in our heads? Yeah, that's an excellent question. Um, so what had happened was uh, when I connected with this other voice coming from my heart, which the Tao um, taught me to do, um, when I got there, um, I was um, basically listening to this voice that became my teacher, so to say. That's when I surrendered my other thought-based identity, which is, you know, the Jeffrey Fidel, all the stuff that I always grew up knowing. So when I connected with this other voice inside of me, um, I was afraid to then leave that other voice. Um, so I, I spent months um, just in a state of listening to this inner voice. Um, I was afraid to use my mind again because I knew how much suffering my mind had caused. Uh, so I was very afraid to go back to the mind. Um, so uh, it took me months of courage even to get back into my thoughts once again because I was afraid of my mind. I, I, I didn't want to go back to the mind. And so that was a whole other trip coming back out um, because I knew how much suffering my mind had caused me. And by just staying in the peace of my heart, so to say, um, I, I was comforted there, and, and it took me months of uh, more to understand that in order to live in the real world, so to say, I had to almost relearn society once again, and um, over time I had enough courage to leave that inner voice and reconnect with my thinking mind, but now knowing myself not as who I think I am, um, but rather just like you say, the essence that is. Um, no, you know, of course, I have my thought identity. I didn't know I'd get it back <laughs> at the time, but so now I kind of know that there's a duality to who I am. There's the, there's the self that uh, walks around and does the day-to-day -day things, 
But then I also have my existential self that knows itself to be woven into the whole. And that's the difference. I didn't have that existential self before. I only knew myself as the the, the dual self, um, which is the thought-based self. I, known as my being or essence, which includes my mind, am intrinsically unknowable by my mind because I cannot be reconstructed with collections of thoughts, words, or beliefs. I, which is my being or essence, therefore cannot be reduced to words like I or self, nor can my acquired belief system reconstruct or explain my being. This is from Dr. Jeffrey Fidel's book, I. Today, Jeffrey lives a contented, complete, humble, and drug-free life in Florida, living in the present moment and spreading the word for others who have been diagnosed as depressed, mentally ill, or bipolar, that he has found another way to end mental suffering. As he tells his story, he's an inspiration to others that listen to the one voice that counts, and may it provide a different path to peace and a new way to live. Dr. Fidel's mission and vision now is to support others that have these various issues and be the bridge between allopathic medicine and their true essence. You can find out more at jeffreyfidelmd.com. We'll be right back after these messages. The 7th Wave Channel on The Voice America Network. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today, 1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly online publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. Engage with experts in topics of consciousness. Become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, expanding the heart, and experiencing greater aliveness. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at IamSimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio. From JeffreyFidelMD.com in his book, I, I, my being or essence, am woven into the being or essence of the universe, and therefore I and the universe are one. I is my mind and the awareness of the intrinsically unknowable and unnameable essence. I, as my mind, am aware that the voice from my heart is the voice of the universe, that of essence, that I, my being or essence, am woven into. Again, this is from the book I by Dr. Jeffrey Fidel. Jeffrey, I want to go into a little bit of how you now have come to this place of being contented and complete and living 
your life uh, as someone that, that can show others the way. Because along that path are certain things that have to be done, whether it's moving from issues of depression, bipolar, and, and mental illness, or whether it's just the average human journey, which in some ways encompasses a little bit of those anyway. Um, we all have to encounter self-love or forgiveness or learning balance or even how to be more in the present moment. Talk a little bit about how you do these things or teach others to do these things. Yes, well, um, those things you just spoke about are very important. Um, I could start um, with um, speaking about um, how we can forgive within ourselves. Um, You know, up until before I had done this inward journey, so to say, I was taught uh, that to forgive was kind of to go up to somebody and say, you know, I'm sorry for what I've done, or even to ask for forgiveness um, from, from, from someone or something that I can't even see or, or repent for some sins that I've done or what have you. I was taught, like, all these things. And now these um, might work for a moment, but they're more of an intellectual forgiveness or a forgiveness of the mind. Um, and so what I learned and what I'm hoping to be able to share with others is a different type of forgiveness, which is a forgiveness within ourselves. And this forgiveness, um, I guess it takes strength uh, to do, but uh, when we come to the realization that if we hold any anger against, uh, uh, for a perception that someone else has wronged us or perception that we may have wronged another, that in the end we'll be the only ones that suffer for this. So this internal forgiveness is when we allow ourselves to come to the realization that a person that has wronged us uh, has done so uh, because of their own internal suffering, that it's really not about who we were, but it's more about them taking out their own suffering upon us. And when we can come to those realizations, we can forgive them uh, for what they've done to us. And then we can also look back in our own lives and we can see that we might have uh, done something towards another that we might have perceived wrong. And then we can usually come to the conclusion that we've taken our action against another because of our own internal suffering. And then we can begin to forgive ourselves, which relieves the internal guilt. And the more we can relieve ourselves of these um, things within ourselves that really only cause our own suffering, it kind of keeps us in a state of sympathetic overdrive, uh, that there, there's, there's a threat, whether it be real or not, because a lot of times it is a real threat. It might be someone in war and there's a real threat outside, but even when they come home from war, and we see this a lot in the veterans, they'll still relive the war in their minds over and over again. So they're still at war even though they've left, they've physically left the war. Uh, so these um, acts that can be done within ourselves can uh, begin to relieve ourselves of all this internal um, states of fear and threat that in the end only affect our entire being. Um, and then... Stop so right there, Jeffrey, because that's, that's a really important piece because so often forgiveness is this willful um, mental concept that we have. And part of it is because we've been conditioned to believe we're supposed to forgive. 
And so we make it very mental. What you're talking about is something that's very integrated. So it goes past the mental and the emotional realm into the deep inner being of ourselves of a forgiveness. Is, is that what you're saying? Yes. This, this forgiveness comes from the heart, and this forgiveness is unconditional. It, ideally, it becomes an unconditional forgiveness when we can actually want to love our enemy, that the, the whole concept of self and, and, and other uh, disappears, and then we see it all as, as just one. Um, you know, it took me, I think, a, a year to get to the point where I got to the, you know, enough strength within myself to realize this and, and perform this forgiveness to the point of, of no longer harboring any internal resentment. But in the end, um, I'm the one that gets to, and, and anyone else that can get to this point, um, we're the ones that get this great gift. Um, I call forgiveness the greatest medicine of all. But the only person that can give ourselves this medicine is ourselves because if we say in the mind that we've forgiven but we haven't forgiven in the heart, uh, you know, the next time someone wrongs us, we might be upset once again because it's not that unconditional forgiveness. It's just, you know, oh, I forgive you, but don't do it again, <laughs> the type of forgiveness. Um, right. So this is a very, very true forgiving um, nature that requires, um, you know, I never knew about this forgiveness until I guess I started practicing these uh, more ancient teachings. And which came first, the forgiveness or the self-love, or did they go hand in hand? Um, well, I think they, they, they go hand in hand um, because uh, another thing uh, besides forgiveness, which, which allows us to even go down to our heart, um, is just... Um, to to not fear ourselves at all. In, in other words, um, I speak for myself personally, but I had my heart broken by a girl when I was in college, and I didn't want to, ever since that day, I, I never wanted to feel that again. So subconsciously, I protected myself from feeling again. Um, and so by being able to... Um, allow my mind's attention to come back to the heart and allow myself to feel these things. Um, this, this allowed myself to reintegrate with the being outside of the thinking mind because if I'm just going to say to myself all day, I don't want to be heartbroken ever again, it's a defense mechanism and I'm stuck in thought. And so the only way out of that... Um, cyclical thought process is to then bring my mind's attention back to the place where I didn't want it to go, and that's my heart. I didn't want to be heartbroken, but I allowed myself to feel it again, and it never killed me. And the more I felt it, the more I healed. So, um, so getting back to your question, it's it's not like I I guess I didn't have like a, a fixed program of how to do this, but it was basically just reconnecting to my beingness outside of my mind that um, the healing started to take place. And as far as living in the present moment, is that how you cultivated that practice of living in the present moment by just really being with the feelings and and experiences that were coming up as they were coming up? 
Yeah, well, uh, being in the present moment um, is, is just a great discipline uh, that I acquired over these months to come. And, you know, I, I still practice all these things. It's, it's not that um, every day um, it's, I practice these, these, these teachings. So when I'm talking about practicing being present, and I do this all day, it means bringing my mind's attention to what it is I'm doing. So if I'm eating a slice of pizza, I'm there with the slice of pizza, and I'm not thinking about what happened to me yesterday or what have, what's going to happen to me tomorrow. It's bringing our mind's attention to the now. And so the more we bring our mind's attention to the now, the more we are engaged in life because... Um, and then we can non-attach, meaning that we can just start letting go of the future and the past, which is all in our mind, and bring our focus to the now. Um, and that's a practice in and of itself, um, to live in the now, to bring our mind's attention to the present. And our being, of course, is in that present moment. The essence is um, woven into the moment of now, which is the existence. Uh, which is happening now. My guest today is Jeffrey Fidel, and you can find out more about him at jeffreyfidelmd.com. Once again, from his book, I, the next natural step would be the evolution of our understanding of the universe as from dualistic to non-dualistic, with the cessation of separation between the mental concept of we and universe. Since we are aware of our own consciousness, and we are inseparable from the universe. The universe itself is becoming aware that it is conscious. We are the universe gazing back at itself. The universe is observing itself through us. We are the eyes of the universe. We are the universe. We and the universe are quantumly entangled. We and the universe are I. We and the universe are one. Once again, JeffreyFidelMD.com. Look him up. See what he's doing get this little book and allow it to help you calm the thoughts and center more into your heart. It takes two years to change the mental construct of the brain to truly change your perspective and who, how you see the world. Start today. Until next week, I am Simran. In love, of love, with love and as love. Be well. Thank you for opening your mind to a new reality. Your heart to greater compassion and your experience of aliveness with 1111 Talk Radio. Join host Simron next Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern Time to step through the gateway of conscious living here on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Remember, you are not on the journey. You are the journey.